Hello everyone, I'm Zola Zengit. Welcome to COVID Stuck Abroad, the podcast where I get to chat with South Africans who are living abroad in 2020 when COVID-19 changed the world as we know it. This podcast aims to tell the personal accounts of guests featured and does not claim to offer verified facts. To get verified information about COVID-19 and related information, please refer to the official World Health Organization website, as well as the official South African government website. Please see the show notes for links. It must also be stated that COVID stuck abroad will not tolerate xenophobic sentiment. Listeners should recognize that the personal experiences of one individual cannot be viewed as a representation of an entire nation, ethnicity, or culture. Okay, now let's get to today's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to COVID stuck abroad. Today, we're joined by Michelle October, who is an ESL teacher working at language training centers in China since 2019. Having first moved to Tianjin, she now lives in Chengdu, which is known as the home of the giant panda. Hi, Michelle. Hello. How are you? I'm well. I'm okay. Uh, It's a very hot day in Chengdu. I think it's like 32 degrees Celsius, but you wouldn't know it because there's literally nothing but clouds in the sky. It's all gray and muggy. But, um, oh my goodness. Otherwise, I'm fine. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, today it's not that cold actually as well in South Africa, uh-huh. even though it's officially winter <laughs> when we're recording this. But yeah, how is Chengdu? Like when I found out that's where you were living, I was like, oh my gosh, I love pandas. So I was like, what is that like? Yeah, it's super vibey. And uh, what's great about it is, even though the weather is a little bit suspicious, the food is spicy, the people are great, super chill and relaxed city. It's very, very nice. Wait, what do you mean the weather is suspicious? <laughs> I mean, it's just the clouds are always gray, you know, like you never see blue skies. It's quite a rarity. Mm. So kind of makes me feel a little bit claustrophobic. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. But, yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. But then, have you actually had a chance to go visit the pandas, even though it's like, you know, like, uh, tourist sites open? What's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can go see the pandas, even now, if you wanted to. Um, I did go to see the pandas when I moved here last year. But you have to go early in the morning because the pandas are awake in the morning. And then it gets really hot during the day. So they sort of just like go sleep. So when I (laughs) went to the panda base, I saw about maybe two pandas. And I felt that I was robbed of my experience because I should have seen way more pandas. So I should go. (laughs) I should go back. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, let's just get into it. When did you first move to China? Yeah, I moved in April 2019. And like, why, you know? Oh, I just got like really disillusioned by the work, like the working environment in South Africa and how we're doing like so much work, but not we're not being compensated for it enough. And mm. I just figured, yeah, let's just go somewhere else. Let's move to a new place. Um, try something different. And uh, my friend was working in China and uh, she's a friend that I went to 
college with, I said to her, like, how are you in China right now? Like, isn't it super scary living there? She was like, no, <laughs> it's very chill. Like, everything you've heard about it is probably not true. So, yeah, I did some more research and it's definitely not what we what you think it is. It's actually quite, like, developed and lovely and people get to walk around and stuff. So it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you first move? Because you oh. only moved to Chengdu last year. So, like, you then first moved to Tianjin, right? Yes. Yeah, so first I moved to Tianjin and I stayed there for 15 months and then... During the pandemic, actually, I moved to Chengdu, which is a crazy story. But yes, I managed to change cities and jobs in the middle of a panorama. And I consider that a personal accomplishment, really. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, we are going to get into that. Actually, having mentioned the pandemic already, when did you first hear about like the coronavirus? Okay, so this is like, I think it's actually a funny story because we were, as things were unfolding around me, it was happening. Like, it wasn't like, I don't know, if like if you've seen Armageddon where they're like, oh, there's a meteorite that's about to hit the planet. And then, you mm-hmm. know, then the meteorite like makes the news and then everyone starts preparing. It was nothing like that. It was kind of like, um, we were at school, we were wrapping up a winter course And it was the last week of winter course where the kids come to school, like during the school holidays. And it was like the graduation week where they finish and like they start to graduate and we give them certificates and the parents also come to class to watch. Mm. And in that week, I started hearing from my Chinese teachers that parents were saying that they don't want to come to school because there's a virus going around and they don't think it's safe. And we were like, oh, no, it's totally fine. Like, whatever bug is going around, like, it'll be okay. Like, you know, just come to school. Like, it's more important that, you know, you finish this course. And (laughs) more and more, like, parents kept saying, like, no, 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 we think this virus is pretty serious. And when, when the parents spoke about a virus, you know, I always think about, like, a tummy bug that's going around or a, mm. a flu or something. But the virus that they were talking about ended up being coronavirus. And by the mm. end of the week, the school was closed <laughs> because it had become really bad. And it it had started spreading all over Uh, the country and all over the city and so classes were suspended and um wait can i ask this was in december 2019 or is this january 2020 maybe end of december or beginning of january i'm not 100 percent sure but it was definitely like very very early on and right around that time i didn't really understand what was going on around me because I can't really access the news, the Chinese mm. news, because a lot of it is in Chinese. And so by the time you get the news in English, it's kind of old news. By the time it's been translated into English for you to access, like there's a new thing happening, really. And by the time we had finally been told, okay, there's a serious virus going around, the school's going to close down for a while, um, we are not going to have classes, and yeah. 
And then it was just so weird to see everything unfolding right in front of your eyes. Like all of a sudden, we you have to wear a mask. And I would see kids coming to class before the school closed. I would see them coming in and they were wearing masks. And, you know, masks is really the thing that Chinese people wear when the pollution is bad. So it was mm. really weird to see them wear it indoors because you wear the mask outside, you don't wear it inside. And I had some students who I would be like, um, I can't hear you. Can you take off your mask? And they would be like, no, I'm not taking off this mask. And I just didn't understand oh, wow. how, how hectic it really was. And I feel bad looking back now that at the very beginning, I, I failed to take it as seriously because I just didn't understand what was going on. But I remember walking around the empty school classes were canceled. I was super, super happy about that because it meant I didn't have to teach. <laughs> But then as it got more and more serious, things started to become less fun. Mm. And first they told us the school was going to close down for only two weeks. And we were going to stay at home in order to contain the virus. And then two weeks became three weeks. Three weeks became a month. In some cases, you could still go to restaurants. But then a couple of weeks after that, all the restaurants started closing down because people were realizing that it's not safe to go to restaurants because, you know, it's a lot mm -hmm. of people. And so it was like step by step, things just started shutting down and shutting down. It was just such a crazy time. And then the virus got really, really serious. And it wasn't just in the city or in Wuhan, but it was like everywhere in the country. And we went into total, total lockdown. And okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's like, that's a lot. Let's backtrack a bit. So when the schools are closing down, is this all before the Lunar New Year? I'm trying to like get Lunar. my recollection in order. But I believe that my mom came down to visit and then it was Chinese New Year. And that is like the biggest human migration on the planet. Mm. And the virus was okay. But then Chinese New Year happened and the government told everyone to stay in place and not go home. So the reason that yeah. it's such a big human migration is because people don't work in the cities in which they're born. They often move to bigger cities, bigger metropoles, because there's more jobs, more opportunities. And what they do is over holidays, everybody always goes home to be with their families. Mm. And Golden Week is no exception. Golden Week is... Uh, the Chinese uh, New Year, and it's no exception to oh. that. It's the biggest, the biggest holiday for everyone. So when people went home, that is when the virus really started spreading. And my mom came to visit me over that period, and we went to another city called Harbin, and we wanted to go and see the beautiful ice sculptures that light up at night. We wanted to go skiing. We had this whole thing planned. And by the time we got there, I mean, I was following the news. I was trying to figure out how bad is it in Harbin? Like, is it going to be really bad? Mm -hmm. Are things going to be shut down? I, I couldn't find any news. And when we got there, that very same day, they had decided to shut down the ice sculpture park and we couldn't go. <laughs> so we had booked this hotel. We had booked all of these things. And we had to like just walk around like basically a ghost town. It, it's quite weird looking back now. Because like a lot of shops were open. You could like buy earmuffs. You could buy snacks. Like the bakery, the coffee shop was open for business. Mm -hmm. But you know like the really big things, the exciting things. You couldn't go to that. And people were in masks everywhere. So it was like, such a weird vacation. And then I was afraid that we wouldn't be able to get back to Tianjin 
because I had read in the news that they're shutting down the train service to contain the virus. And I said to my mom, mom, we got to go now. And so basically we cut our holiday short by about two days, I think. And we got back and right after that is when they they suspended the train service. And a lot of people just made it. I just made it. Yeah. And a lot of people were stuck in their hometowns and for a few months, people could not come back for a while. Oh, wait, I might be wrong when I say a few months. It might have been less than that. I'm not sure. (laughs) But the point is that people were stuck in wherever they were. Like, if you had gone somewhere on holiday, you were stuck there. Mm. If you went back to your hometown, you were stuck there, shacking up with your mom in, I don't know, a two-bedroom apartment where there's, like, more than that living there. Like, you were stuck. People started to work from home. And my mom, I was afraid she wouldn't be able to get on a flight back to South Africa. So I booked her on an earlier flight and she left earlier. So we had to cut her holiday short completely, which was like quite sad. Mm. So she came and left like during the pandemic. And it's actually quite a miracle. I mean, that's just what I'm wondering about, Michelle, like with your mom going to China to visit you. She's mm. coming from South Africa, right? Mm. So she arrived there, what, mid-Jan for the Lunar New Year? Yeah, I think... Um, I Wasn't she worried? I'm not 100% sure about the, about the dates, but the virus yeah. was the thing already, and they were, they were on the news, it had made international news that there's a virus in China. Yeah. And my, my uncle said to my mom, like, are you sure you want to go to this country? Like, they're, <laughs> they're in trouble. Like, I do not think this is a good idea. And she was like, yeah, no, it'll be fine. I want to see my daughter. <laughs> so, she, so she actually got on a plane. Like, I'm surprised they even had flights going to China. I'm very surprised that that whole thing was possible. But she did it, and she came back, and she didn't have COVID, which is, like, a huge miracle. She didn't get COVID. Yeah, thank God. And when she came back from China, they were like, you're coming from where now? You're in quarantine, man. She landed in South Africa. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) She had to quarantine when she got back. But she was fine. They gave her a test and, like, she didn't have COVID. Oh, my God. So, okay, so why didn't, when did she leave China? Like, and why were you scared? Like, did you think of leaving with her? I think she left around the end of January, I think. And at that time, we had received notification from our company saying that if we want to go home for a while and then come back to escape the virus and then come back when it clears up, we can do that. But South Mm. Africa has load shedding and we have the water crisis and everything else. And I looked at, you know, the idea of going back and getting on the plane with my mom, which I very nearly did. And I just Mm. knew that I could not work reliably teaching online with like the load shedding that was going on in South Africa, like it wasn't reliable. And I just said, like, this is not going to be a good option for me. So I have to like stay put. And then I thought of maybe going to Thailand, a neighboring country. And that would have been like an ideal, amazing paradise. Mm. Um, Then our company also made the point of saying, this is not a vacation. (laughs) So please don't (laughs) use this opportunity to go to a, tropical locale and other people did i felt too guilty to go um and they did and they got what do you mean guilty i felt guilty because yeah i want to go to thailand i would much rather be in thailand sipping coconuts on the beach than being holed up in my tiny apartment like avoiding a deathly virus 
sweeping the country <laughs> and potentially the globe. Yeah, I would rather be in Thailand. But I felt too guilty, so I just stayed put. Which ended up being the right decision because a lot of people who did go to Thailand around that time, maybe late late February, early January, struggled to get back because the virus had then hit those countries and mm. those countries were shutting down. China was closing its borders. Oh, it was it was such a difficult time. It was quite hectic. Like you had people who were stuck in other in weird countries with only the things that they had packed. Some people were there with no laptops, like no equipment. Mm. And they had to be there for an extended period of time. It was such a weird time. Yeah. And I think I've always just wondered, even with people who were living in China, what that was like for them. If you were living in China, it was pretty weird. I, I think, I don't even know how to describe it, but... You know, like there was no one in the streets. I felt guilty if I walked outside because it felt like the wrong thing to do. Mm. You needed to wear your mask everywhere. You could order food online, but a lot of restaurants and a lot of shops were shut down. But some supermarkets, you could still order food online and have it delivered to you. But then even when they were delivered, the drivers had to have temperature checks and on the app, you could see the temperature of your driver. Also, the person who made the food, they would tell you the temperature of that oh. person. Yeah. And, you know, like, there would be, like, some sort of thing, like, this has been made under strict hygiene, blah, 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 and very, very, like, intense. If I wanted to go to a supermarket, I would need to use my phone, scan a QR code to show that I'm checked into this facility, like a supermarket. Mm. They would take my temperature and then I also had to show a different QR code that showed that I haven't left the district that I live in, which means that I'm in a lower risk of having COVID. So it's not a COVID test that shows that I don't have COVID. It just shows that my movement's are low enough for it to be a lower possibility of me having COVID. Oh. Yeah. So, and they could, like, they can track your movements. Like, if they wanted to know where you've been, all they need to look, do is look at your data and know, okay, you've been here, you've been here, you've been here, you checked into these places. And then they also take your temperature at the door everywhere. You go in, get your shopping, get out. Very, very strict. It was strict for a long time. How long were you in lockdown for, like in Tianjin? Five months. And was this like a hard lockdown or like did it change? Um, it was a hard lockdown, but people were still using Tinder and Bumble. A lot of complexes <laughs> weren't. A lot of complexes weren't letting people in who didn't live there. But there were ways around that. I mean, I visited my friends when I shouldn't have because that was, mm. like, bad. But I guess we were so early on in, in the in the virus and our lack of understanding that we just didn't get, like, we just didn't understand the full extent of it. All we knew was that we were alone in our apartments for days on end and we wanted to see each other. And mm. so we, like we would gather at one person's apartment and, you know, just hang out for a bit and then go back to our own apartments because we were in lockdown. Yeah. So. But were you guys getting access to sort of like the images out of Wuhan? 
yeah, we, yeah, we saw all of that, and it was awful. But also, a lot of the stuff that we were seeing was all in Chinese, like the ads that you would see mm-hmm. playing, like it's all in Chinese. Like the things that you did see is like what I remember looking at every day was the numbers. Like you could, I could open up my app and check how many new infections are there in the city, how many total infections, how many people died yesterday. What's the total number? How many people are recovered? That's like the important numbers that I was looking at every day. Mm. And I was looking at this city that I was living in and Beijing, which is like right next to my city. And then I was also looking Mm. at the whole country's numbers just to see like, has it gone down enough for things to start opening up? Because nothing was open. And yeah, we were starting to lose it. We were starting to lose our minds. But then your contract was coming to an end at your first workplace. Yeah, and I decided already that I didn't want to stay and that I wanted to look for something else. And I really wanted to move to a different city. And this recruiter that I met said to me, you should move to Chengdu because it's like a great city. And he sold me on it, so I did. And I got a job really, really quickly because in Chengdu, the virus was contained much faster and the schools Mm. were opening already. So people were back at work, but there were so few teachers because everyone had left. And so I was able to find a job so quickly and move cities in a pandemic, which is like insane. Yeah. What was that like? It was relatively easy, actually. I mean, no, it's just imagine like sort of moving your furniture and like clothing and, you know, finding a new apartment. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't move my furniture because I rented my old apartment and then I rented the new apartment too. Mm -hmm. So I packed up everything into two suitcases, left one with my friend (laughs) and I asked him to just mail it to me. And then my Mm -hmm. one suitcase I took with me with all my stuff. Then I stayed in a hostel, which was open. A lot of hotels still weren't open. But this one was, and a lot of hotels also wouldn't let foreigners in. Oh. But this one was. Was it during that period in China when there seemed to be quite a bit of discrimination against foreigners? Yeah, because by the time the virus, yeah, because when the virus traveled to other countries, if you were coming back to China, there was a big worry that the foreigners are bringing the virus into China. And so if you got into an elevator, people would like walk out of the elevator and like take the next one what yeah things like that so that was a big deal but a lot of hotels wouldn't accept foreigners you know like even now i get more scrutiny when i walk into a building like i get asked to scan my health code when local people don't get asked really yes there's a lot of fear and discrimination around that which frustrates me but There's really nothing I can do about that. So, yeah, it was a relatively easy move. And it was okay to, like, I got a flight here. I got a flight here and I managed to move everything and find an apartment really quickly. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, it was so smooth. It was a very smooth transition. What's it been like now living in Chengdu? It was crazy. In Tianjin, everything was closed. Bars, clubs. Like, maybe a few restaurants were open. When I came to Chengdu, it was crazy to see how city to city, the governance is very different. And they make rules Mm. based on what's going on in their city. I got to Chengdu and I met a bunch of friends and they were like, let's go to the club. And I was like, you can go to a (laughs) club? 
And they were like, yeah, it's been open for like a month now. Like, let's go. And I walked in and wall to wall, it was omunye pescomunye, like a body on a body <laughs> on another body. And I had never seen that many people sweating on each other in so long. <laughs> I was triggered. I remember looking at the club being like, is this legal? <laughs> but yeah, it was amazing. And just Chengdu like, is just completely different to the other city that I was in. And yeah, so like, it was like completely back to normal. Just crazy. And it was amazing. And even yeah, now, that is crazy. even now I talk to like my friend who's in Korea. She told me like, yeah, you still have to wear a mask if you enter a building. I mean, you, I do not have to do that here. At all? No, I'm very privileged. Sometimes I'll make a fuss, but I can go to the mall, I can go to restaurants, I can go anywhere and I don't have to wear my mask. Really? So it's like, would you say then China as a whole or just Chengdu? It seems like everything has just opened up and gone back to normal. I don't want to say China as a whole because I, I can't speak for other provinces, but I've mm. been to like, I've been to like a few different provinces in China and they're all back to normal. And it's been back to normal for a long time, but it's like a new normal. What does that mean? You still have to scan QR codes when you walk into certain places mm. and, you know, they still take your temperature when you walk in everywhere. But it's far more relaxed because they did such a great job of getting it under control the first time that we're able to have this freedom. And is it also because like the vaccination program is going well or like, I'm just wondering like if it's just not spreading or I don't know about the vaccination. Open. No, I don't think it's open yet. Mm, it's kind of open uh -huh. to like a few people, but I mean, I don't mm. really know. I think you can leave, but I'm not sure if you can come back. Um, which is mm. why I haven't come home yet. But I do think the technology in this country is the thing that's like really helped a lot, to be honest, mm. because they have the, they have WeChat, which is a messaging app, but actually it's so much more than that. It's like it's a very very robust system that is used universally in the country to track, control, order, and mm. and just make sense of the country and so you need to open up wechat and scan the qr code which which reveals your health status like your proximity oh. to people who have had covid your proximity to like so it's like a, it's a very robust tracking system i guess for the government and because you have to scan these codes and you, like it's constantly updating and mm. there's temperature checkers like there's like a little robot in the mall where if you walk past he just automatically checks your temperature what yeah that's a thing it's very very high tech and a lot of countries don't have that and i'm not sure about the vaccination rollout here but i think a lot of people aren't in a hurry to get the vaccination i do know that you have to go back to your hometown to get the vaccination which could be uh, a big impediment and us foreigners will be able to be vaccinated in july so i was hoping to wait for the Pfizer vaccine to come to China, but I don't actually think that's going to happen. So I might just take the <laughs> I might just take the Chinese vaccine. Okay. Oh, okay. Just to end of our conversation, Michelle, how are you now overall? Just like looking back to twenty twenty, what you lived through, and you know what life is like now. Like, how would you say you've coped, and how are you doing in general? 
I have to say that I'm coming from a point of complete privilege being in China where they've handled it so much better than other places have. So I'm not, I do not feel that I'm in a place to complain a lot because mm. a lot of people have been self-isolating for a whole year. And I was only isolated five, five months or so, which in comparison mm. is a very, very short amount of time. There are people who are still self-isolating and too afraid to go outside in America or mm. other countries because of the COVID situation. But I feel very lucky to be here. Having said that, I'm struggling a lot because I'm in a strange country that is like probably the most foreign to our own culture. And mm. I really, really miss home. And I can't go home even to visit. So it's very frustrating for me. Mm, and that's how I am. That's the way I'm at. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I'm hoping the situation will change and hopefully you'll be able to come back soon. Mm, thank even you. Even if it is just to visit. Mm, yeah. Thanks. But oh, yeah, gosh. we move. <laughs> thank you so much, Michelle. Thank, thank you. you for joining me. I know it's not always easy, not just time-wise, but even like, you know, our communication methods with living yeah. in China. <laughs> Yeah, got to get on that VPN, got to make the connections and all of that. But yeah, it was a good conversation. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Michelle. Goodbye. Thank you, everyone. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on today's episode. You can follow us on Instagram at COVIDSTUCKABROAD. On Facebook, you can search for CSA to like the page. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at covidstuckabroad at gmail.com. Please see show notes for the links. This episode of COVID Stuck Abroad was produced by Zola Zegut with funding from the National Arts Council's Presidential Employment Stimulus Program. The episodes were recorded at Solar Gold Studios.